Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Live from downtown San Francisco, this is 95.7 The Game. Yeah, welcome to your San Francisco pre-pre-pre-game show. Can you believe it? The first Sunday of the NFL season kicks off. 24 hours from now. With you till 2 today, Kevin Michael, Whitey Gleason, and from Chicago, John Dickinson joins us. J.D., how's the Windy City treating you? Do you have a forecast for tomorrow for us as well, sir? Yeah, Whitey, treating me very well, and as always, good to be with Mm -hmm. you. Beautiful skies and warm temperatures, at least right now, as I look down at Lake Michigan, and I'm staying uh, in between Lake Michigan and the, and the Chicago River, but uh, some clouds coming in, but nothing too ominous. Forecast, though, Whitey, still calling for rain tomorrow. Supposed to be coming in later on in the evening, and uh, that could that could change <laughs> the, the, the way that the 49ers and Bears uh, kick things off tomorrow in week one. Yeah, before we dive fully into that, the, the 49ers uh, season already off to a promising start, given the fact that they're arch rivals, uh, the defending world champions from um, the NFC West, of course, the Rams falling to the Bills. Rumor has it, J.D., that you suggested the Rams might stink. Is that true? Yeah, I- I wouldn't go that far. I did. I did, and I am going to give myself the uh, little pat, a little, little pat on the back uh, for, for picking the you Bills. I think it. I was the only guy at the station that picked the Bills to to win the opener. Uh, I I don't know. I just saw the Rams being distracted, disheveled, and and discombobulated uh, on opening night with all the pomp and circumstance that comes with being the defending champ and, and hosting that game and. Uh, I, I thought the Bills have a, a lot to prove coming into that one. I know they're kind of a trendy pick among many prognosticators to, to come out of the AFC, but I just didn't feel like the the Rams would be buttoned up in that one. Uh, do they stink? No, they definitely don't stink. But but the they did on opening early, night, right? They did for one game they anyway. Did, they did on Thursday, and yeah, and Matt Stafford, yeesh. I mean, that that looked like the bad version of the Lions, Matt Stafford. And it, <laughs> but it's a great opportunity for the Niners to get the jump in the division. I mean, that's a that's a game the Niners don't have to play. That's the 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 seventeenth game. That's the added interconference seventeenth game, which is a place to finish game. The Niners will play the Dolphins at, at Levi's later in the year, and in, in their portion of that AFC East uh, matchup with the NFC West, where they each play the 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 one game, but now you've got the Niners and the Bears here from Chicago, and and the Niners can 
play from a position of advantage, which they really didn't do from right. week three on last year. They were always playing catch-up, and there's a, a real opportunity to not have to do that because of how poorly the Rams played and the opponent that the Niners are going to face here tomorrow. A couple of things that stood out about that game to me. First of all, uh, in no real order, but the Rams once again had issues with crowd noise, and we know all about what 49er fans did down there last year. You were down there last year. So, again, you're playing the Bills, and you got a lot of Bills fans there. You know, you'd think, they just won the Super Bowl, but you got generations of L.A. fans who grew up rooting for other teams, and they're not just going to go, oh, we have the Rams back. Fine, they're my team now. So I think that's part of that is the Rams are trying to restore or, in some cases, just make a link, establish some kind of bond and link with the fan base down there, and that's going to be an issue for them. Stafford had some throws that... You know, maybe we wouldn't say anything if we didn't know he had the PRP injection, but a couple throws were like, oh, it didn't look like maybe the wings bothering him a little bit. But more importantly to me, J.D., the Rams had offensive line issues at times. Very important. They run this basically the same scheme as the 49ers, but that's a theme around the league. I think there's a, and I think the, the late great um, John Clayton said this years ago, there's I think an offensive lineman crisis, there aren't enough good offensive linemen. You got, you know, the 49ers with offensive line issues. The team they play tomorrow, the Bears, they have offensive line issues. That only is going to get exacerbated as the season progresses and teams that have solid lines are dealing with injuries. But the Rams right now, I mean, that's similar to what the 49ers do offensively. If the offensive line ain't getting it done, it's hard for them to get their offense going. So, yeah, the Rams, they, they don't stink. You're right, of course. But they look very vulnerable in week one. They did, and, and vulnerable in ways where the 49ers specifically and set aside their own potential to have offensive line problems themselves, but vulnerable in ways to where yeah. the 49ers could, could make them pay. And, and we've seen the 49ers at times make them, them pay in the past, and, and it's a vulnerability with the greatest strength I still think that the 49ers possess on their entire roster, which is a, a deep and devastating defensive line so I, I think you know it's one game 271 to go across wow. the, the NFL slate over the next 17 weeks but but so far so good right if you're a 49er fan you yeah. gotta be feeling really good about the prospect of hey the Rams don't look nearly as dominant uh, as they did at, at times last year especially on that on that playoff run and hell they weren't even really dominant on that playoff run as the Niners know from having them down in the fourth quarter of that NFC championship game that slipped away it's Whitey and J.D. with you till Tuesday. J.D., the great John Dickinson in Chicago on the Comcast Business text line from the 510 here. We got Rams looked rusty, uh, not playing in the preseason for most of their main guys. Uh, from a, Let's see, also from the 510, there are more Raider fans in L.A. than Rams and Chargers combined. J.D., as far as the rustiness, and I, I think I heard you talking about that this week with uh, Mark Willard. There's a chance at this game for a lot of reasons. We'll just look at the 49ers for a moment here. 49ers Bears. You got weather conditions that could be sloppy. You got teams that really haven't, you know, they, the regulars haven't played a lot. There's every chance that this game is a really sloppy game. The defenses are ahead of the offenses, potentially. The Bears have a new uh, head coach, who's outstanding defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, uh, and they already had some standouts along the defensive line. So there's, there's a chance that tomorrow, uh, I know I'm one of those that said, yeah, I'll, I'll give the points, take the 49ers. But this may be, if they win, it may be one of those, hey, thank goodness we won, we don't care. But it could be a sloppy, win-ugly afternoon for the 49ers. 
Yeah, it, it, it's the type of game where, and in, in the Niners at times have just they've thrived really at, at winning ugly. And I know this game's been circled since the the schedule came out, and it looks like one of the one of the wins on paper when we play all seventeen out in our heads over and over and over and over between May and and, and tomorrow, and we finally get to to open up the the, the present like it like it's Christmas morning. But yeah, I I think. I think there is some potential for this to be one of the the uglier games. You know, every team, even teams that wind up being bad, think they're pretty good in their first game, especially a, a home opener. And and I don't want to underestimate the forecast, Whitey. I kind of kind of downplayed it because it is so nice right now in Chicago, and temperatures going to be in the 80s today. Uh, but but tomorrow, looking at it, uh, it's supposed to cool down and and just look a 93 percent chance of rain. Winds out of the north. At 15 miles an hour, and just reading through this, potential for heavy rainfall. It's going to dip all the way down to 69, 70 degrees. Uh, and so, yeah, rainfall, which could reach in some areas near a half an inch. So wow. that uh, maybe some downpour-like conditions, depending up, uh, upon the timing of things tomorrow. We'll have to see how it all shakes out. But yeah, don't want to, as nice as it is in Chicago right now, I definitely don't want to downplay uh, the potential for, for the weather to become a factor. It's a three-hour window. You never totally know how it's going to shake out uh it might maybe it comes a little bit later in the day kickoff obviously at noon here central time but but there is some potential for it it to be uh maybe a little bit of a quagmire depending upon the timing quagmire oh no i knew it was gonna be bad i didn't know we're talking quagmire but we'll see you know and also the way fields drain now obviously wet conditions can be um, a real problem, especially for young quarterbacks. But it's amazing now how well these fields drain. So we will see, almost certainly we will see rain. Based on what you know, J.D., what are the chances that 49er fans see George Kittle playing in that game tomorrow? Well, you got to feel better about it than you did this time yesterday, even. I mean, he was trending toward going to be out. I, I still, it feels like, more likely than not. Yeah. I mean, don't you want to be careful with a guy like George Kittle? I know it's week one. I know you need to get every win, but you don't want to see things linger, I think, to where he tries to play through something, and then it becomes a, a much bigger issue. But I know George had referenced the fact that there's been times in his career where he doesn't get out on the practice field during the week and then still has been able to to play in the game. I know the Niners did list him officially as as questionable, but he, he didn't practice at any point. I mean, typically, if you don't practice even in a limited fashion, you're not going to go, although traditionally whitey and he's dealing with this groin injury uh traditionally he would have already been ruled out as of yesterday for for the game so obviously questionable on the trip and i think you got to be a hell of a lot more optimistic than than you were i think 24 hours ago but if uh, i don't know where you stand on it I, i would still lean toward the 49ers being cautious and and with others getting the practice reps throughout the course of the week they they roll with what they have yeah he definitely is doing everything he can to his credit to keep that door open when he said hopefully getting off the plane i feel better tomorrow and this was you know before they left hopefully getting off the plane i feel better tomorrow and sunday and then i have an actual opportunity to be out there and play so sounds like a long shot which speaks to the fact that the 49ers maybe anticipated they'd be dealing with this this week. Perhaps they, you know, given George Kittle's injury history, and I know last year he didn't miss a lot of games, but he still has just been, you know, carrying such a heavy load. Uh, my point being the 49ers keeping four tight ends on the roster. So Tyler Croft, Char- 
Riley Warner, Ross Dwelly. Um, I, perhaps that's one of the reasons why they kept those uh, four tight ends on the roster, J.D. They had a feeling they might be dealing with this at least this week. Yeah, starting to look that way, and, and there were some uh, peculiar breakdowns in terms of just the number of players at, at, at different positions, and yeah, uh, all of the all the extra offensive linemen they kept, only going with five wide receivers, the the fourth tight end. Anytime there is uh, a, a transaction or a roster move that's made. At a, at a specific position, it always kind of makes you wonder, and this happens a lot during the season, like some, you know, randomly, you don't think anybody's hurt, and all of a sudden, I'll just use safety as an example, all of a sudden, no, they, they signed a safety to the practice squad, and they dropped somebody else, and you start, you know, or they dropped this guy, and they signed this guy, and you're thinking, well, why did they do that? And then a couple of days later, somebody pops up on the injury report that that plays that position, and it, and it makes a little sense. So I think you, you could be onto something with the way that the Niners uh, composed this roster, but yeah, not having Kittle uh, on paper, it's huge because, and I know a lot of people in the preseason, where's where's George Kittle? Where's the chemistry going to be at between him and Trey Lance? At a minimum, you know Kittle is going to be uh, just a critical component to the 49ers running attack and, and blocking and, and just you know really opening up a lot of the things that the 49ers want to do uh, in, in the rushing game. And, and I still think, uh, I think you're like me, you believe that, that Kyle Shanahan, even with Trey Lance at quarterback, hell, maybe especially with Trey Lance at quarterback, is going to want to make sure that the 49ers are running the football a lot mm-hmm. upwards of, say, 30 times a game. Yeah, it's one of the things we have to keep in mind whenever we start talking about Trey Lance and his numbers and what kind of numbers does he have to put up. And I think in a perfect world, he's not going to be throwing a lot. I I agree with you. One thing I'm really interested to see. Now, if the conditions are sloppy tomorrow, maybe we won't see as much of it. But it was fascinating to me, J.D., that earlier this week, uh, Matt Barrow's in his mailbag. You know, he's answering a question. I forget even what the question was. But he said, you know, I got to be careful about how I answer this because we're not supposed to divulge some of the things we see in practice. And I thought, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, when I was in for Steiny, and I was kind of in for you because you're usually in there with Guru uh, this week, we were talking to Cam Inman. And he was talking about the running game and the offense. And he said the same thing. He said, you know, there's some things I can't really talk about, but he said something along the lines of, I think we're going to see, you know, some wrinkles. I think we're going to, with Trey Lance, I think we're going to see, you know, the pre-snap motion obviously is a big part of what Kyle Shanahan does as he throws off the defense and uh, figures out how to avoid them picking up their cues. I think we're going to see some some really creative stuff, given the fact that you got to account for the quarterback and the run now. We also have, you know, one of our receivers is basically a running back, and the other one can carry the ball, too. I think maybe not in week one, but I think we're going to see a really diversified running attack. We're just talking about the running game. I think the 49ers are going to have a lot of different people. I mean, a lot of different people, not just a lot of backs, getting a significant amount of carries this year. Well, you mentioned the quarterback's ability to get in the running game, and and this was something that I was reluctant to think the 49ers would do a ton of, but if they feel like they need to do it, I could see, and I think from from being out at, at training camp, and and yeah, I like Matt Barrows and, and Cam Inman. Yeah. The, the things that you see, you don't want to yeah. get too specific. But the one thing I will say generally about the running game, I think there is going to be a little bit more 
zone read than than I would have anticipated. A little more putting Trey in the gun and putting the back beside him and reading the D end and and figuring out where to go from there. It just it, it like you said, different wrinkle to the running game uh, and, and and using Trey's ability to pick up. An easy four or five yards. That's something that, that stuck with me, I think, from the very first press conference that, that Kyle Shanahan had in training camp going back to, to July. He just real casually kind of mentioned how easy it can be, depending upon how the defense is playing, for you to be able to run a couple of quarterback runs or, or some kind of zone read and just pick up an easy four or five yards, which helps set up everything else that, that you want to do. The Niners haven't had a, a quarterback in, in quite a while that can do that with, with regularity. I know Jimmy Garoppolo had the had the, the touchdown at, at Chicago last year where he crammed it mm-hmm. into the end zone on kind of an awkward run. But I, I do think more than I had originally anticipated, Whitey, the Niners are going to use the quarterback potentially in, in, in the running game. What a great uh, use of the word crammed. Yeah, he definitely, that's what Jimmy would do. He crammed it in there. You're absolutely right. The 49ers obviously are going to be thrilled with the fact that the threat is there, and if teams are not uh, respecting that, the, they'll take advantage of it. I think that does, in a roundabout way, get us back to the whole issue of Jimmy and why he's there. And uh, yeah, I know a lot of people, in my opinion, have gone overboard with, wow, they must not think Trey's the guy. They, they don't know, but I think they feel great about it. But if you're going to be running the ball more, if there's a chance you're going to be running more read option stuff, then you just don't want Sudfeld as your backup if you're trying to win a Super Bowl. I know circumstances were such that this kind of fell in their lap, right? Because it was a matter of, well, we don't think we get you. Wait, Jimmy? Jimmy's available? Well, of course you'd get Jimmy Garoppolo. So there's a lot that goes into that. And I know we're going to be talking about that all season long. But at the essence of it, it's just it comes down to, hmm, who do, are we going to need a backup? We might need a backup if Trey's going to be running the read option. And we'd rather have Jimmy than Sudfeld or even Brock Purdy, who, as much as we like him, has never seen an actual NFL defense yet. Yeah, and I, I think that you've touched on this in, in the times that I've heard you over the, the course of the last week, just, just how much the Purdy component and and the overall inexperience of both Purdy and Trey Lance, just in terms of game experience, would make you a little reluctant to keep somebody like Sud, Sudfeld on the roster or go with Purdy as the, yeah. the straight-up yeah backup and and I think you laid it out perfectly. I mean Purdy was was Mr. Irrelevant in in the most recent draft, the last man picked in all seven of the rounds. But so he obviously never has played in an NFL game and then you've got Trey Lance who's played in just the the two NFL starts. I know he got some run and had the the 49ers first touchdown of 2021. Remember that? Remember that, Whitey at at, at Detroit and Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. on the on the sideline, and, and it looked kind of awkward and uncomfortable, and then Very. Jimmy after the game said, oh yeah, that was pretty awkward and uncomfortable, but uh, good for him. <laughs> yeah, and then Mark Sanchez was doing the game, and he said, that's got to be really tough on Jimmy, I'll tell you what. Yeah, so <laughs> at least this year, that's that's not the plan. It's clearly the he's the guy, uh, then we have the other guy, if we need him, Probably a lot's going to be made of that, and probably too much is going to be made of that. But at least right now, it's not a situation like last year. We're going to get into that in a little bit, too, how the Niners right now look different than they did a year ago heading into the season. But that's one of the huge differences. And I know, oh, Jimmy's there. Trey was annoyed. But at least they know Trey is the guy now. Jimmy is clearly the backup. And last year, we really didn't have even that much clarity when the season began. 
No, no, we we didn't, and I think you know this game is the kind of game where it really gives you it, it gives you an opportunity if you're Kyle Shanahan to just get you know he thinks it's stabilized, but but I feel like tomorrow is the perfect opportunity to just have a nice just a nice solid win, even if it's ugly, but it's a win. And it helps to build a little bit of of positive momentum. Not that you need it necessarily in the locker room, but it just calms everything surrounding the potential for controversy between you know when is because we've spent the better part of the last two weeks talking when it, when, when is it going to happen and what about this hypothetical and and could it even be in the first game if if Trey really struggles or what, is it going to be four games does he get eight games does he own twelve games. <laughs> If the 49ers can get off to a good start tomorrow, win the opener, handle business against Seattle, I think almost irregardless of how it looks, a lot of that outside chatter, people are just going to stop asking about it for a while. Sure. But it is fascinating, isn't it, J.D.? This is a team that is a Super Bowl contender. We think, everyone believes, we'll see what happens, but they appear to be a team that has a shot at competing for a Super Bowl. And this is, you go back to 2019, so this is their fourth year. I know in the middle year there, the pandemic year, there were a lot of injuries, but going into the year, they were considered a a contender. So this is their fourth year as a championship contender, and yet you still have these big questions about, well, who's the quarterback of the future? And we think it's Trey, but is he ready? And it's really unusual for a team this far along um, in their Super Bowl evolution to still have these questions. I understand the way it's made. I know people are going to say, oh, come on, guys, Trey's the guy. And I know that he's supposed to be. But is he? We don't know. He doesn't know. They don't know. And that's just a really unusual situation. They better get it figured out this year. I understand the way it's going. And if it works, it works great. If it doesn't work for whatever reason, this still, I mean, Super Bowl's on the board this year, but so is total debacle in terms of the quarterback situation. Well, when you say they have to figure it out this year, I I guess the question I would ask you would be, how does that have to look at the end? Does it just mean Trey Lance has to to look like a competent, capable quarterback at the end of the year and you make the playoff? I mean, is it as simple as that? Or, I mean, just kind of gauge for me what that would look like. In my opinion, it means that he plays well enough for them to win this year and he's improving to the point where you feel like he's learning from the mistakes he makes. Uh, he's getting better, and he's a plus for us. And we have reason to believe he's going to get even better, so we're confident with him as the guy going forward. To me, where it goes sideways, and I don't think this will happen, but we all know it could, is if he struggles to the point where they have to decide, you know what, he's not ready. If that's the case, again, I don't think it will be. If you're around midseason and Trey is playing in such a way as to lead Kyle Shanahan to say, Well, we don't feel like he's ready. Well, then you don't know if he's ever going to be ready. And then again, you have the whole open question. When you've got everything with this team is built to compete for a Super Bowl, and yet at the most important position, you're still looking for an answer. Uh, As I said, I don't expect that, but it's on the board, and I think that would be, um, it could be disastrous for this team. Yeah, I I, I mean, among the many scenarios, the, the one that I keep in the back of my mind would be, and really, it's twofold. It's what happens if, say, in the middle of the season, Trey Lance is just struggling enough to where he is preventing them from, from yeah. winning games. Mm-hmm. And you feel like, 
hey, this this team's goal is still to win a championship or or at least make a run. We've got Garoppolo in our back pocket. The locker room knows that at this point, because in our scenario here, Trey hasn't played well, maybe Garoppolo gives the team a better chance to win. The locker room kind of knows it. You go to Jimmy Garoppolo, you make your run. Maybe you don't win a Super Bowl, but you make your run. And then you've kicked the can down the road to where you don't really know everything that you want to know about Trey Lance. And now it's sort of all in on 2023, and he'll have to get it. And there'll be more pressure to come with it because he'd be viewed almost as a, as a disappointment in, in a way at that point. The other part, and I think this in some ways would, 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 be, would be just as bad, even though it wouldn't necessarily be anybody's fault, it's what if he gets hurt? And the Niners go to Jimmy Garoppolo, and he wins enough to keep the job, and you don't just throw Trey Lance right back in there. Then you're in a similar position. Hmm. Maybe you feel better about the fact that he got hurt, and so it wasn't that he necessarily played poorly. Uh, maybe I, I don't know. You can you can couch that out for me. Which one's better? But either way, you'd be looking at a, a question mark going into to 2023, which I think is something that that you really do not want to have, regardless of the the expectations that the 49ers would have. Yeah, hopefully none of this happens. But as long as we're talking about it, to me, as long as it's not a serious injury that potentially compromises the rest of his career, I think if you're if you're going to have to go away from Trey, you'd rather have it be because. You know, he pulled something or he went out because of an injury. If you have to pull him because of performance, then that just really opens up a whole nother can of worms, worms about, well, is he ever going to be the guy? But hopefully it won't come to that. And he's got so much going for him and so much ability and a team around him that should be ideal for a young quarterback. Other than J.D., an offensive line, that's pretty questionable, right? I mean, I hate to go there, but that is less than ideal. A young quarterback, uh, he's the starter opening day for the first time and is behind an offensive line that you that everyone has, including, you know, did you see Burford? Burford said, bro, I'm really nervous. I'm going to be honest with you. They're not even sure how good they are yet. No, and I think that that does it's cause for pause. Yes, yes. <laughs> there it is, it is cause for pause. And the one thing that that you feel on the one hand can can wreck more than anything high expectations. But I also think part of and this gets referenced a lot. Part of the reason that the Niners were going to Trey Lance was his mobility and the belief that having a more mobile quarterback and whether it's rolling the pocket out, whether it's the zone read game, whatever it is, that can help Kyle Shanahan mitigate some of the question marks at the offensive line spots to where you can still function as an offense and, and, and win. So I, I think it, it is cause for pause, but I also think, hey, this is also part of the deal why why Trey Lance is the quarterback over maybe a less mobile Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, does that play out strictly in that fashion? I, I'm not sure, and I know you've said it a couple of times. I think you're spot on. There's two ways to beat uh, – you know, offensive line issues. One is a mobile quarterback that can escape and make plays. The other one is just having a quarterback that gets the ball out before the pressure can get to him. And that is one area where Jimmy Garoppolo during his career has been, I think, a little underrated, to be honest. I think that's an underrated skill that Jimmy Garoppolo has had, the ability to efficiently run the offense and get the ball out quickly. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, so we can't wait to get it started uh, tomorrow. Going to ask you, J.D., if you're Kyle Shanahan, how can you scheme around offensive line issues if they become a problem? How well equipped is Trey to deal with some of those? Also coming up, how the 49ers look different from a year ago with the season about to start. What's really different about the 49ers as opposed to just a, a season ago? Also got to find out if J.D. is going to do that double dip tomorrow, weather permitting, where he goes to see the 49ers, Bears, and then and the Giants and the Cubs. All that and more coming up next. It's John Dickinson and me, Whitey Gleason, with you on 95.7 The Game. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now back to 95.7 The Game. And with you till two today, Kevin Michael Whitey Gleason. And from Chicago, John Dickinson, who of course will be covering the 49ers and Bears tomorrow. JD, are you going to be going to the Giants Cubs afterwards, weather permitting? And you, you did go to the Giants game yesterday, right? And I, I don't think you were overly impressed with, with the Orange and Blacks effort yesterday. No, Drew Smiley shutting you down <laughs> deep into the, the seventh inning with, with one hit. Uh, is is less than ideal huh. against a Cubs team that's that struggled even even to a greater extent than than the Giants have. Rodon gets touched up early, and then you find yourself why why are they taking why are they taking him out of the game? And then the, <laughs> in Cubs the sixth inning, on. right? Didn't they take him out yeah. in the sixth inning? 
Yeah, like what, what's going on here? Are they are they saving him for next year, Whitey? Because the Giants are woefully out of the race. Are they saving him for the for the Mets or the Dodgers or the Padres or or, or the Yankees? Whoever whoever signs him to that hundred million dollar contract, were they were they saving him up so he, so his arm doesn't break down in two thousand twenty three for a, for another team? Another one of the uh, Gabe Gabe Kapler's he's really. Gotten bit, and I know a lot of these are, are staff decisions, and and they have things that they they want to do, uh, a game plan going in. Yeah. But he has gotten bit repeatedly on pitching changes that that go badly. Take a guy out, next guy gives up a gives up a bomb. Leave a guy in, oh one batter too long, guy hits a bomb, should have taken him out. It feels like that has happened. Over and over and over and over and over this season, and it uh, happens again. Happens again yesterday. I think it happened because he was up to ninety six pitches and had a chance to go righty lefty. And yeah, of, of course you're right. It's like, well, yeah, but it's Rodon, uh, and it blew up in their faces. I don't know if you saw what Joe Madden said this week about analytics. Really interesting. He said, you know, analytics has become. Um, it's an imposition. He said, I, when he was managing, he said he had, you know, like an analytics guy in the dugout. And he said, no, they don't belong in there. So my point is this. I, I, I'm not trying to defend Gabe Kapler because, you know, it's still an open question as to whether he's a major league manager. But I do think a lot of those decisions that we as fans, you know, we rant about, why is Kapler doing this? I think you're right. What you said is a lot of times it's like, that's not even their decision. I don't know for sure if that was one of them, but a lot of this stuff... You know, I, I know in L.A., Dave Roberts used to get roasted during the World Series, and then they'd rehire him, and it was because it wasn't his fault. He was doing what he was told, and I do think the Giants are one of those teams that tends to operate that way, too. They, they do, and boy, Roberts, in the couple of World Series, going back to the one against the Astros in 17 and then the Red Sox when they made it in the in the back-to-back years, I mean, he, he got bit doing it both ways, right? Like, it was... Yeah. he. He would leave guys in longer than maybe the the numbers play in his gut you know, over what the numbers would say, and they'd lose. And then there were other times where he stuck with the numbers. We're not going to let uh, we're not going to let this guy face the lineup a third time. Even even Kershaw when Kershaw's dealing, we're taking him out, and then it blows up on him that way. So there's been times, and I think Kershaw's probably the best example. There's been times where he's left Kershaw in. And got and got yeah. beat because he let it left him in, and then took him out because the analytics said take him out, and then they got beat that way. So he he kind of has been the, the 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 poster guy for trying to go away from what they would want him to do, and and really just you know can't win for losing either way either way you slice it. Yeah, I apologize if I've told you this story before. It really was something I'll never forget. During I think it was when the. Dodgers are playing the Red Sox. I was doing an interview with Greg Vaughn. Greg Vaughn had a golf tournament, so we're talking to Greg Vaughn. And then off the air, we're talking to him about the World Series. And he and Dave Roberts used to be teammates, so they you know, they know each other. And Greg Vaughn said, I was talking, they call him Doc. He said, Doc, what you know, what's with these, you know, pitching changes? And he said, Dave Robertson didn't agree with him either. But he's like, they're making me do it. I got to do some of these things. So, yeah, I, I don't know that that's always the case, but that really stuck with me because, you know, it's just a whole different thing now. A lot of the things that I know I as a fan I always assumed that the manager's making that decision, a lot of it now is really out of his hands. And I suspect, J.D., um, there's more of that than even we 
suspect. I think sometimes starting lineups are even dictated by like spin rates. And this guy's in the lineup today, Skip, because he is, uh, you know, he's hitting 350 against guys with this type of spin rate. So I just think it's less about the manager than it used to be. And I think the analytics, I think it has even a, a stronger hold on a lot of what decisions are made than, than we even realize. And as Gabe Kapler has referenced at times, the Giants, because of the way their roster is composed yeah. and not a lot of star players, a lot of players of, of equal talent level, and, and you're playing the platoon game, that, that the Giants set their lineup in some ways to have a have a chance to, to get you know, get to do well against the starter, but they're almost setting it up for the middle of the game where they can take advantage of some matchups and 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 late in the game where they can take advantage of their pinch hitters against certain pitchers, like almost as if that's the game. But like, forget about the first five innings. Uh, we're we're going to try to score on you in the sixth and seventh when our when our line changes come in, which I, I think that that can be even more frustrating to watch, especially when when a team gets shut down with with the regular lineup or the regular lineup for for that day uh, on the field. And and yeah, as far as the the pitching moves and and. Yesterday, specifically taking Radon out and, and all of that. I mean, it, I, I'm not even saying, and, and you know my thoughts on on Kapler, but I'm not even saying that that those are all his fault necessarily. But he's just had a bad, yeah. bad, bad mm-hmm. track record of of it. You know, everything kind of worked for him last year. Oh yeah, and and he reaped reaped the benefit for it. And this year, it just feels like it's like. Man, everything went right. Now everything's just going to go wrong in those same moments. Yeah. So, are you going to the Giants Cubs tomorrow night if they if they play after the Forty Nine er game? Yet to be determined. Ooh. I know the game is going to kick off here at noon, so ten o'clock back in the Bay, and then five o'clock in the Bay for the for the Cubs and the Giants. Seven o'clock here, so the the game's going to end at about three. So I do have a four hour window. It's TBD. I'll tell you why. It's because I do need a couple hours after the game to to get sure. everything done and yeah. and and pop on with with Madsen and Styles and and all of that. I probably would still have time. The weather is a factor. Mm-hmm. There also may be a dinner for for one of my buddies. His birthday is actually tomorrow. My my buddy Derek, who came down from Michigan, and uh, we, we hung out. A group of his friends are, are coming in from from a couple areas in the Midwest. But uh, yeah, so happy birthday to him! And and we may have a little bit of a huh? we, we may have dinner plans at at some point uh, that that conflict with with the Giants and the Cubs again. So you're not going to have dinner, birthday dinner for your buddy at at Wrigley Field. <laughs> no, they're it's funny. They're going to the game today. There's a group of them cuz I had to work today. So I yeah, we went they're going yesterday and today. Uh-huh. Uh and then I went yesterday and I'm kind of TBD for Sunday. I think they're probably more leaning TBD out on Sunday. So you know you know how it is, why right. so yeah. you get a group of people together and everybody's got their things they got to do. Yep. And, and you know it's hard to get everybody on the same page, but uh, but yeah, I think he's also not a Giants fan. He's a big A's fan, gotcha. so he's he, he's not a, he wouldn't be as into Giants and Cubs for a third time. Hey, these the days, JD, say. the way the way Farhan runs his team, Giants A's. What's the difference, right? What's the difference? They're like the same team. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seventy. Stock to Phil from Vallejo on ninety five seven. The game. Phil, you're on with uh, Whitey and JD. What's up? Hey, what's up, Whitey? What's up, JD? Good to be on with you again, uh, Whitey. I just want to. Last time I talked to you, you asked where in Vallejo I was. I'll tell you, I live between Sutter Solano Hospital and Kaiser Hospital. So oh, okay. if anything ever goes down, 
Yeah. That's good, too. All right. Yeah, my mom used to work at uh, Sutter Solano, so familiar with the area. What's on your mind today, Phil? Uh, well, here's, here's what's going on. Um, the rule changes that passed yesterday. I wish they had passed the rule that you can no longer go exclusively with your gut if you're a manager. Because this pulling pulling guys, all the stuff that you see Capri doing, and you guys were talking about Dave Roberts a minute ago. And you may remember a few years back, uh, when the Dodgers first started to get to the World Series under Roberts and stuff, he pulled Rich Hill from the start after Rich Hill had pitched four innings and was dealing. Nobody could touch him. And Hill had this look on his face in the dugout like he couldn't believe what he was seeing. What was He couldn't believe it. He just mm-hmm. simply was in disbelief. And if you, I mean, just think about it. If Todd Lasorda ever tried to pull that with Oral Hershiser, Hershiser would have sprayed him with a can of Raid. That just would have never happened back in the day. Um, but I agree with everything else you said. I want to give a shout out to my Niners tomorrow against the Bears. I predict a 31 to, t- to a 12 victory. Thanks, guys. What? What did he say at the end there? What? Yeah, thank you for the call, Phil. Uh, as far as the rules, we may circle back into some of the, the proposed, well, they're not proposed anymore. Baseball's going to implement some new rules. They're going to improve the game. We'll see about that. But as long as we're talking about the 49ers here, uh, JD, you touched on earlier to me what I think is the absolute key to this game. We'll see. There are a lot of variables. But to me, the fact that the Bears' offensive line is still a work in progress, which is the nicest thing you can say about that. Well, it's a work in progress. Could be a lot worse than that against the 49er defensive front. I think it's hard for me to see the Bears having a real chance to win that game, given the fact that they're going to be dealing with that matchup all game long. I find it... I wouldn't find it hard to believe, Whitey, I want to get your take on this. If if the Bears really struggle to score an offensive touchdown tomorrow, yeah, and and, and maybe one, and maybe that's it. It, it just uh, to me, the Niners have the we, we can get into the Niner offense and everything they need to do, but I think the weakness of the Bears' offensive line, in conjunction with the Niners' dominant defensive line, that that's an area where I feel like the Niners can almost win the game single handedly right there, just because the Bears are going to be unable to score with regularity uh 31-12 31-12 i i could see i could see 19 to 9 or 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 16 to 6 even if need be uh with with the niners just doing it ugly being in control and knowing that the Bears just can't move the rock on them consistently. I was thinking last night, I've been thinking all week about this, how the 49ers look different right now as opposed to what we thought we knew about them going into the season last year. I know you and I, early last year, I think we were doing some you know, 49ers stuff in the year before as well. Um, and so just thinking back on how we were getting ready for those shows, one of the big things... Big differences this year from last year. We forget about this. Remember, J.D., there were a lot of questions we had about, oh, D'Amico Ryans, I don't know. Sala was a really good coordinator. I don't know if D'Amico Ryans um, can can hold the Stevens together, and he certainly has. That's no longer an issue. Uh, and also last year, of course, the, the cornerbacks were a real issue, and I think they've really shored up in that area. So that's one thing where the 49ers appear to be light years ahead of where they were a year ago. Defensively, there are far fewer questions about what this team can do defensively than, than we were trying to answer a year ago. I mean, now, Whitey, it's, I mean, D'Amico Ryan's is yeah. probably going to be a head coach. Yep, as, and he should like be. It, yeah. yeah. It, it, it feels like he's. If we were ranking all the assistant coaches in the NFL that would be 2023 head coaches, his name might be number one mm-hmm. at the top of the list. Yep, yep. 
Um, and, and they do have some issues potentially in terms of depth at safety with Jimmy Ward out. But that that's the whole key, the pressure they're going to get on this young quarterback. And as far as last year's game, I know it was a huge game for the 49ers. I don't know, given that, you know, Jimmy was, we didn't know what Jimmy was. He had that great game. I just can't see, I can't put much stock in looking at that game last year, J.D., as any kind of indicator as far as what we're going to see tomorrow. I just can't. No, Justin Fields played played well uh, in, in that game. It, it, good stretches of that game against the Niners. I think that the Bears are going to want to run it. I think a lot. Both teams are really going to want to run it a lot. I, I think you know Mooney is is an interesting not not Mooney Ward, his new nickname Mooney Ward, but but Mooney of the Bears, uh, Darnell Mooney, uh, him against Samuel Womack. I think they Mooney's in the slot a lot, and that is one area for for all of the areas where the Forty ers are different now in the secondary. You know, Womack really impressed in training camp and in the preseason and right from the jump with the two interceptions in, in the game against the Packers. He's still a rookie playing for the first time in, in the NFL and going up against a talented r- receiver in, in Mooney. So you know, can, can that is that an area where the Bears can protect enough to get the ball to him and maybe try and attack that matchup? Or, or does Womack keep taking the ball away to the way that he did in the preseason? And, and even that becomes an advantage. And the other thing that I did bookmark here, Whitey, just looking at it from the Bears' point of view, and, and there's no excuses. The Niners need to go in and they need to win the game at Soldier Field tomorrow. But mobile quarterbacks. Yeah. Mobile quarterbacks have given the 49ers fits. And Justin Fields can move, and Justin Fields can make plays with his legs. And we've just seen that ability from different quarterbacks, whether it's Kyler Murray, whether it's Russell Wilson, others, to, to mitigate at times the fact that the 49ers uh, you know, can mitigate that pass rush to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the 925, that's a great point. I was thinking about that, too. You're right. From the 925, is the Bears offensive line really worse or a lot worse than the 49ers offensive line? I think that's a really good question. I think there are fewer question marks, I mean, uh, on the 49ers offensive line because yeah. the Bears don't have anybody approaching, you know, Trent Williams level. But there are some really serious questions. The Bears spent a lot of, I know we've talked about this before, a lot of draft capital on the offensive line. Uh, they're new GMs and offensive linemen, so they're really focused on developing there. But there are legitimate questions. We don't know the answer to that, but I think we can say the 49ers can at least count on the left tackle, probably the right tackle, too. And they seem pretty optimistic about what they're going to get from the center position. But uh, from the guard positions, they're real. 49ers have real, real questions. No, there's some similarities there. There's no question uh, as far as offensive line play goes with these two teams right now. There is, but I'm I'm looking at the at the Bears. I mean, they they got uh, what a fifth round pick is going to start at left tackle. <laughs> okay, yeah. Good, good good luck good luck with that. Uh, I, I mean, they've got and then they've got you know a couple of scrap heap guys as well. I mean, they're moving guys around. Unsure. I mean, to me, four fifths of their lineup or their their offensive line yeah. is 
is kind of in shambles. So I, I think, yeah, you're, you're right. You say that, and then Trent Williams is somebody the Niners have. And so I think I think still a big advantage. Big advantage for the Niners or fewer question marks, probably the better way the better way to put it. Yeah, yeah. and they picked up Leatherwood, right? When the Raiders uh, let him go, the, the Bears snapped. Bears were snapping up a lot of guys that got let go by other teams uh, after yeah, the yeah. final cut. What is that? You know what that tells you? Yeah. You know what that? What's that? That... That that tells you you are one of the least talented teams in the league. <laughs> yes, it's it the does. guys that are getting cut immediately are better than the guys you have. Yeah, but it's a whole different regime now with Matt Eberflus, as we said, as the head man there. And I don't know if you've read this, JD. Matt Eberflus had success uh, in Indy with his hits philosophy. Do you know what that stands for? I'm not making this up. Hits, and he's trying to make sure the Bears fully embrace this. Of course, now he's a head coach. He was a defensive coordinator, as I said. Hustle, intensity, takeaways, and situational smarts. H-I-T-S, hits. Let's go, guys. Uh, The Colts were very adept at taking the ball away, and that could be one of the absolute keys to this game. If you're the Bears and you're looking at this, how do we win this game? Well, you know, their defensive front, 49ers defensive front, as we said, they could dominate our offensive line. That's, that's, that's tough. What are we going to do? Have to get turnovers, right? We got this young quarterback. The Bears, I think, to have a legitimate chance to win this game, they're going to have to come up with some turnovers. Without a doubt, it, it might be the only way they can score. They, they might need a defensive touchdown. They might need a, a special teams touchdown. They, they might need to, to work with a couple of short fields in, in an attempt to, to punch it in. So I'm, I'm with you on that, and I think that relates back to the Niners having an inexperienced co- – it all comes back to Trey Lance and, and such a big part of the 49ers' ability to function – for me this year is going to be, can Trey Lance just play solidly and not turn it over? Because there are going to be a lot of games where if he just does that, as we've seen with Jimmy Garoppolo over the last couple of years, you do that, this team's pretty talented, you're probably going to win. But if you're given extra opportunities to the opposition, that's where it gets a little bit problematic. That's the one thing that, that Kyle Shanahan, under ordinary circumstances, can't have. I think you especially can't have that for this team this season. But here's the thing. We all know that. You're absolutely right. And I was uh, doing a show with Alan on, on Labor Day, and Alan was saying that, according to Kyle Shanahan, they're, gonna, they're willing to ride with um, Trey through a few early season bumps. But what does that mean? That's easy to say, and it sounds like, yeah, right? I mean, it's like, yeah, okay, well, that makes sense. But what does that mean? Uh, To me, again, it gets back to the fact that Trey's going to have to be improving. If he makes mistakes, you know, he's going to make mistakes, but is he learning from them? Is he repeating the same mistakes? That'll take a few games um, to, to, to suss that out. But to me, that's what it is. He's going to make mistakes, but is he learned from them? Does he improve? If he doesn't, if he keeps making the same mistakes, then it's, um, you're going to have to make a switch. You would. And, and can you win with him learning and making some mistakes? That, to me, if the mistakes are costing you games or putting you in position where it's really hard to win a game because, let's say, you have a, a two, three interception half and, and it sets you so... Like, if you're winning... Then, then you get more time. If if it's preventing you from yeah. winning, I think that's where that's where the leash is going to get shorter. And that's to me why they're so. It th- this week is so important. These first two weeks, Whitey, are so important against Chicago and Seattle. Not to demean either one of those teams. 
but you got to you got to be two and zero. And if you're two and zero, that it doesn't end the conversation, but it it gives Trey Lance a little bit more breathing room to work through and get better and improve the the way that you're talking about. From the nine two five, isn't the Bears' defense decent? First of all, we don't really know, but it wasn't last year. Second of all, it is an area of emphasis, as we just discussed with their new head coach. Uh, thirdly, they do it. You know, Quinn can get after the quarterback. No question about that. And they got things worked out with Roquan Smith. But their secondary last year, J.D., it's a new year. Their secondary last year was terrible. The Bears' pass defense last year was awful. So in that respect, if he can get any protection... Yeah, and I agree with what you said earlier. The 49ers want to run, run, run the ball. When he does have to throw, though, uh, if he gets any kind of protection up front, he's got opportunities here. This, in some ways, could be a dream matchup for him. And his first start as the man. I know he started before, but now it's like, you are the quarterback now. This would be, I mean, you almost would handpick the Bears as one of the teams you'd want to play against because their secondary last year was awful. Well, and to the point on that, the game on Halloween at Soldier Field, when the 49ers went in there, and at, at three and f- uh, at that point they got the win to go to to they were two and four. They got the win to go to three and four. Then they ended up losing to Arizona, beat beat the Rams, and and got things back on track at that point. But they were they were two and four going into that game. Jimmy Garoppolo. 17 of 28 for 322 yeah. yards Jimmy, in that Jimmy. one. Yeah. And Debo Samuel uh, went for 171 yards uh, in, in six catches for, for 171. So I, I think that's – and he had the big one when they were when they were down, got down to the one-yard line. But it's it, – it's, you can throw against him. I think you can throw over the top against him, which does bode well – you know, run it, run it, run it. Uh, you know, bootleg and roll out and do all these different things, and then set up a deep shot. And mm-hmm. and I think that's where you know would it surprise me if the Niners are able to get the running game going a little bit, at least the threat of the running game going a little bit, and then boom, deep shot down the field. Trey hits somebody, and and you, you know, see that explosive nature. Uh, come to fruition right off the jump. Yeah, and if he hits Danny Gray in a big shot or hits Ayuk, which is more likely, that's all a lot of Trey Lance fans are going to be talking about for a week. You know, and with good reason. So we'd love to see that because we just haven't been seeing a lot of that from the 49ers. Great question here. We're up against a break in a, a couple moments here, but great question here, JD, from the 510. I'll let you tackle this first. I hear you guys talking about the defense and the offense. How is the special teams ranked? This game could be a special teams mud game. And special teams, there's kind of an interesting aspect to that this week with the 49ers and the Bears, right? Yeah, there is. With uh, with Richard Hightower being the uh, special teams coordinator for the Bears now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Revenge game for, for Richard Hightower, potentially. Now the special teams coordinator for the, the Chicago Bears. And Brian Schneider, now the special teams coordinator uh, after being in Seattle. Uh, I, I think in, interesting, I think the Niners are going to be vastly improved on special teams. And Seattle, if you've watched Seattle over the years with Pete Carroll, they... They and uh, they bit the Niners with a fake punt yep. last year that was really bad. Like they they find weaknesses in the opposition and try to take advantage of them. I, I think the Niners special teams. I know I know Kyle Shanahan has said, "Hey, we just don't want the special teams to lose the game for us," which at times they felt like maybe it was doing. Yeah. But but I actually think 
hiring Schneider and with some of the signings that they've made as far as guys on special, I, I think I think they're looking for special teams to help them this year more than just be stable or, or hurt them as it did a year ago. I agree with you, and I think it's about time they did that. I, I also agree. I think it'll, it'll pay dividends this year, and the 49ers will be better uh, for it. Coming up next, all right, back to the captain's thing, at least for a short time. We don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but if the captain thing is meaningless, then why do they even have captains? That's next. Kevin Michael, Whitey Gleason, and JD joining us from Chicago today on 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t 